decision of the, the young man who had much. He had been blessed. He had worked hard. But when he came to Jesus and he said, I want to follow you, I want to be your disciple, Jesus said, okay, sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and then follow me. The scripture says that the, the young man went away very sorrowful because he wasn't willing to surrender all. So today, amen, I, I want to challenge you. Amen, if there's not a, I want to give you everything, Jesus, in your spirit. If there's any holding back of anything, amen, I want to just encourage you today. His way is the best way. Amen. His promises are sure. Amen. He will never let you down. He will, you know, some, some of us, we, we are looking for, uh, the old song says, looking for love in all the wrong places. Amen. But He truly can satisfy your soul. Amen. I want to just encourage you today, surrender all to Jesus. Amen. Welcome to the Crossroads. I'm Pastor A.J. Dummett, the lead pastor here. Uh, for those of you, sometimes people don't know and they wonder why I say that every week. I just want to make sure you know who I am. And I uh, do want to welcome all of our guests that are with us today. And uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you for being with us today. Amen. And for all of you that are watching us online today, thank you. We know you check us out online before you come to service. So keep checking us out. And then someday, very soon, show up here in person and we would love to meet you. We look forward to seeing you soon. I, I'm just telling you, it gets exciting when people that have been watching online, uh, when they message us and say, I got healed when I was watching the service. I was in pain and God took the pain away. And so don't ever discount, amen, what the presence of God will do in your life. And it's even more rewarding when those people who have been watching online, they come in person and God fills them with the Holy Ghost and they're baptized in Jesus' name. Amen. What an exciting, exciting time. Amen. And so the past few weeks we have been talking about this topic. This has been our series in January. The best is yet to come. So look at your neighbor and tell them, say, the best is yet to come. Amen. This week, we're going to talk about how from this point forward, everything is going to be different. I like the word that the King James uses in the text we're about to read in Luke chapter 5. Uh, it uses this one word, and we'll, we'll get to it, but the word is henceforth. I know we don't use that. Like, you're not like, uh, henceforth, children, this is, you know, we're going to only eat at home. We're not eating out. You, you don't say that kind of stuff anymore. Like, you... You say what Webster has defined henceforth to mean, and that is from this point on. So today we're going to talk about henceforth, but we mean from this point on. So let's turn our attention to the Word of God to see how Jesus changed the life of the disciples. And we're going to look at Luke chapter 5. And uh, this is... A, a very, I, I think it's a popular story. May, many people, uh, I'm surprised sometimes, sometimes people say, I've never heard that story before, or I never knew that was in there, and, and it always surprises me, but for those of you that have heard it, it, it hopefully uh, will, will just be a refresher, but for those of you who have not heard this scripture, uh, this story, uh, then maybe it will be something that you, you realize, hey, that's, that's in the Bible, that's for me, amen? So Luke chapter 5, 
And uh, we're going to talk, to, uh, talk about how Jesus showed his disciples the best was yet to come. Let's start reading at verse 1. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when they had left speaking, and when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a drought. And Simon answered and said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both of the ships so that they began to sink. It's a lot of fish. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished at all that were with him at the drought of the fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not from henceforth. Everybody say, henceforth. Thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to the land, they forsook all and followed him. Amen? Amen. We have here Peter, James, and John, the famous fishermen. And Jesus tells them henceforth, it's going to be different. From this point on, things are going to change. So by the help of God, I'm going, to, I'm going to do my best to put what God has put in my spirit into this atmosphere today. And you're just going to have to reach up and grab it. There's going to be some of you, you don't want it. There's going to be others of you that it's going to change your life. Amen. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you, God, for what we have already felt and what we've already experienced in this service so far. And God, we pray that you would speak a word into our lives today. And God, we will give you the praise and the glory for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. 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 You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Thank you for worshiping. Amen. We have Peter, James, and John. That's who the scripture names here. They are fishermen. Everybody say they're fishermen. This, uh, this is their livelihood. This is what they are known for. This is how they survived. This is how they paid the bills. They were fishermen. I don't know how they became fishermen. I don't know if it was a family thing and it was kind of forced upon them. I don't know if uh, they just one day realized, you know, I really like to catch fish. You know, I... I just like it. Some, some people really enjoy it. Like they just, they totally love to fish. Anybody totally just love to fish? See, look at that. There's people all over. Can, can I just be very transparent with you today? I'm not a big fisherman, okay? I'm just not. It takes a lot of patience to fish. And guess what I don't have much of? You're right, I don't have a lot of patience. And so, I mean, I can fish, but usually uh, when I would fish, I would fish at night. You know, because I don't like, you know, it's just it's bugs and it's hot and, 
No, I don't like to fish during the day. I like to fish at night. Matter of fact, my wife and I, we used to, I used to drag her along with me when we were just first married. And, you know, we would go fish. Sometimes I'd go fish with the guys. Sometimes I'd drag her along with me. And I would have this, I had this lighted bob. Anybody ever seen those? Those lighted bob? Man, those are the coolest things. And the fish are just like, what is that light? And so it's almost like it attracts them. And so, you know, I don't know, I, I can't prove it, but I do think you catch more fish with a lighted bob at night than you do during the day. But that's just me. I'm not a good fisherman, so don't take my word for it, okay? But these guys were, they were obviously, they were good fishermen because they had made a living out of it. And this particular night, they, des- they describe as a very unsuccessful venture. There was no fish. What did that mean? That mean they weren't going to eat now. They hadn't caught anything. They weren't going to make any money. Bills were not going to get paid that day. They were totally unsuccessful. And if they would have really just been honest with Jesus when he came and sat down in their boat, they would have said and, and told him, hey, we'd rather be in bed right now. We just we got to finish cleaning our nets and figure out how we're going to get through this day without any money. And maybe they had heard Jesus teach before. Maybe this was the first time, but there was a crowd that was there and they wanted to hear more from Jesus. And so they pressed him and the scripture says they pressed him as he was standing there on the shore of Lake Gennesaret. They wanted to hear more, so he's standing by the lake. So they literally, uh, I don't think they pushed him, but I think they were just, you know, anybody ever know what it's like for somebody to be in your personal space? They, they were all up in Jesus' bubble. And he was like, look, people, I need some room. And so he goes and he gets into, he sees these two boats. And, and he, he goes in and gets in Peter's boat. And, and so they cast off. And Jesus uses the natural sound amplifier, I'm sure, of the surface of the, the water, uh, the water surface that, to teach people and his voice to be amplified so that they could hear what he was saying. And we, we don't know what story Jesus was telling. The scripture just says they were wanting to hear the word of God. And, and we don't know if he was uh, you know, t- talking about the prophets or he was talking about uh, Israel or how God had delivered. I, we, we don't know. But we know that at one point he just decides to end it. I don't know. I mean, just like, was he finished with this story? We don't know. Did, did he, was there an altar call? It doesn't look like it. It just says when he had finished speaking. He just got done. And he turns to Simon, Peter, and he, he just quits teaching, and then he gives specific instructions to Peter. He says, I want, you to, um, I want you to go out, and I want you to cast your nets, and I want you to get ready to take in the biggest haul of fish you've ever seen. Um, are you a fisherman? <laughs> Have you been on the pro circuit and we just didn't hear about you? You're a carpenter? What, what does a carpenter know about fishing? You know, and, and I, I'm just trying to think what the guys in the boats were thinking. What, what would they have been like, well, this guy, man, this guy can teach, but can he fish? I don't know. I don't know what was going through their heads. All I know is Simon starts in and he says, look, The professionals here, we've been at this all night. And we've been at it all night, and and I'm just going to be honest with you, the fish aren't biting. And I find it very interesting that 
right after he says, we haven't caught anything, we've been trying all night, that he says, nevertheless. Anybody, anybody sense that right there in the spirit? Some, some of you need a nevertheless in your life. You, you've been having a lot of stuff and it hasn't been going right and, and you're not sure, can I trust Jesus? Can I follow him? Can I, can I really take him at his word? You need a, well, I'm not sure, but nevertheless. Nevertheless. I, I don't know how it's going to work out, but nevertheless. I haven't seen the job, well, anyways, I haven't seen the, the circumstance turn around. I haven't seen the job that he has for me. I, I, I don't know how this is going to work out, but nevertheless, I'm going to choose to obey your word. Nevertheless. That's a powerful word. That's a powerful word because you don't always have to agree with Jesus. You just have to obey him. Amen. The, the, the old saying is that submission begins where agreement ends. Right? How many of you, you think your kids are always in agreement when they obey you? No. No, the only, the only way that they obey you sometimes is because they're submitted to you. And they know if they don't, punishment is coming. Right? You know? I'm just saying. But Peter, he, he says this nevertheless, like... I know you probably don't know as much about me uh, and, and, and about this fishing stuff, nevertheless. I know that, uh, you know, you think this is going to work out. I'm not so sure, but nevertheless. <laughs> and can I just say this? You can, you can trust God. You can take Him at His word. If, if he gives you a word and he tells you everything's going to be okay, you might get a word through the scripture. You might get a word through the man of God. Come on, somebody. You might get a word while you're praying. But if God gives you a word that it's going to be okay, that it's going to turn around, you come on, you just need to trust him. And no matter what happens, you need to say, hey, nevertheless, nevertheless, at your word. Amen. Amen. It's kind of, kind of like Mary, you know, the angel tells her you're going to bear a son, and she's like, I don't see how that's possible, but be it unto me, even as your word. And so the, the, the Bible tells us that, uh, you know, Peter didn't really know Jesus, and, and he didn't know, uh, you know, if Jesus knew anything about fishing, but he recognized there's something different about this guy, and so he decides to take a chance and see what would happen. And sometimes, I, I just, like, when I'm pastor uh, and I'm talking to sometimes uh, these people that they're like, well, I just don't know, and, and they just jump right in taking matters in their own hands. They, 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 they try to make it work the way that they think it should work, and they, they just take it right in their own hands, and they're like, look, I, I got this, I can do this. And he's like, I told you I was going to get that. I told you I could take care. I've already provided for you in the past. I made a way for you in the past. Why are you doubting? And, and, and yet sometimes we want to just take hold of the situation. But Peter said, you know what? I don't even know, but I'm, I'm kind of interested to see what's going to happen. And my, my advice to you and to all of us is when you get a little bit challenged in your situation, why don't you just take a chance and see what God will do? 
Amen. Why try to take things back into your own hands? Why don't you just say, God, I'm waiting on you. I want to see what you're going to do. I know you can provide the job that I need. I know that you can make a way in this situation. I know that you can bring that relationship back around. I know, God, you're able to do it. I I don't know how you're going to do it, but I'm going to just trust you because your word says that you care about me and you love me and that you'll never leave me or forsake me, so I'm, I'm trusting you. This is how you know. This is how you know. It's a word from God. If it, if it moves you closer to God. It's very simple. How do I know? How do I know God's speaking to me? Well, if what he's speaking to you moves you closer to him, you've got a word. Because he's not ever going to tell you stuff that's going to push you further away. Can I just, I don't know. I wouldn't, this is not in my notes. As you can see, I'm not even close to my notes. But it's kind of where the rubber meets the road for us. Because many of us are okay with Jesus leading us and us following as long as it fits into our paradigm of how things ought to be. But when he gives us a word, the word is not going to be get yourself or your family into something that has the potential to push you further away from him. When you're taking a job, if it's a job that's going to push you and your family further away from God, it's not a job that you need. But you don't understand, I, I've got to have a job. I, I agree, there's sometimes you have to, temporarily you have to do something to make ends meet. But, but I'm talking about when you wait on God and you'll pray about it, God will lead you to the job that He wants you to have. Amen. And furthermore, I'm a firm believer that sometimes you have to work shifts that keep, may keep you out of church, but it should not be a permanent thing. And if it's keeping you away from church, if it's keeping you away from being involved with the things of God, that's not, you, you need to refocus and say, God, I, I know this is not your will. You want me to get closer to you, not further away, not feel distant from everybody. Henceforth, I, I got to get back to my notes because I'm, I'm, I'm all, I don't know. Simon Peter decides, I'm going to take a chance on Jesus. And my uh, question to you is, when was the last time you just took a chance on Jesus? Didn't want to take it into your own hand. You just said, I'm just going to take a chance on Jesus. We'll just see what he's going to do. Because I'm going to trust him. I'm, I'm going to see what he's going to do. If, you know what? It may flop big. It may flop big. Do you know what? I've gone into a lot of things, and I just said, you know what? God, I'm just going to trust you. This may be the biggest failure that I've ever seen, but... I feel like this is what you want me to do. And you know what happens? What happens next in the scripture is truly remarkable because the professionals that hadn't been able to catch anything at the best time, in my opinion, of the day to catch fish, but then on Jesus' direction, they catch two boatloads full of fish at the worst time of the day. You know it's the worst time of the day because the fishermen are all cleaning their nets. You don't clean your nets when it's time to fish. You clean your nets when that's, that's all that's left to do, you know? i got to get this done so I can get out of here. How many times before that night have they caught fish and sold fish and made their living? They had ate, eaten fish and they, they did the same thing again and again. And Enough, this is all I know, enough that they had their own boats. Enough that they were business partners. That's what the Scripture says, part, his partners. 
They had, a, they had a business together, so they must have been at least somewhat profitable. This is what they were known for. They were fishermen. This was their identity. This is how people identified them. And, and, and they said, you know, those guys, the fishermen. We know that Simon Peter is the main character here, and, and he's always, uh, it seems like in Scripture, he's always impulsive and quick-tempered. He's always the first one to jump into action. He's ambitious and maybe a little bit proud. And, 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 and let's, just, let's just break it down. He's probably quite a bit surly. We don't use that word a lot, but I'm sure if, if you looked up surly characters in the Bible, Peter's name, his, his name would for sure come up. We know this from Jesus' trial that, that he knew how to cuss like a sailor. We know that, right? Some of you are like, can anybody identify? Oh, no, don't, don't raise your hand. I mean, sometimes, you know, sometimes we, we, we can identify with the character of Peter. Like a little headstrong, you know, a little ambitious. Willing to prove I'm the best one. Let, let, let me, hey, you jokers, you stay right here in the boat. I'm stepping out on the water. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm just saying, Peter was one of those guys, you know. Uh, Jesus, I'm never going to deny you, right? And, 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 you know, they're coming and Jesus says, buy swords. Peter, uh, they only had two swords and Peter had one of them. That lets you know what kind of guy Peter was. He was the guy, you know, if there's, if there's something that needs to be done, I'm going to be the guy doing it. That's what, you know, Peter... Jesus had to tell him, Peter, put your sword away. People like, oh, he chopped off the high, uh, the high priest's servant's ear. He was going for his head. I think he was swinging, and the, the servant goes, whoa, and did like a Bruce Lee move. Whoa, and, and he just missed his head and got his ear. I don't, I don't know how do you just get an ear. Like, I don't think he was coming down like this because then he would have hit his shoulder and we would have had to heal his shoulder too. But we didn't have that. He just has his ear. How do you take off just an ear without affecting everything else? Whoa. That's right. He was ninja. <laughs> See, that's all bonus. That's not even in the notes. But Peter was also the, the one that Jesus had to tell, look, you know, you're going to deny me three times. Oh, hey, everybody else here may do that, but not me, Jesus. I'll die if I have to. And we find that, uh, you know, he is, he's the one here <laughs> that it's not really too out of character for him. You know, he's the only one talking in the story other than Jesus. And when they start catching the fish that Jesus had promised, he becomes the most demonstrative one of all the business partners. And the scripture says, Simon kneels down at the feet of Jesus and says, depart from me for I am a sinful man. Doesn't say they were back at land yet. So I want you to get this. What did they fill the boat with? Fish. I don't know how big the boat was, but Peter was on his knees in the fish, at Jesus' feet. So he was at Jesus' feet, but there was a lot of fish around, right? It, it was probably a, a very awkward scene. And you know fish, when you just catch them, they don't just lay still, flipping around, squirming. What a sight that must have been. Can you imagine it? I mean, he's, he's at the feet of Jesus, fish all flopping around, and he's like, depart from me! I'm a sinful man. 
man, I just, there's times that I wish that I could have just seen some of those things in person because, like, you'll never forget that. You would never, like, that would be impressed on your brain forever. What what does Peter do this for? He realizes that Jesus is holy and there's something very special about this God-man. The reason that he says that Jesus needs to get away from him is because he is sinful. I can identify. (laughs) Another way maybe to say this would be, Jesus, you are too good. You are too holy. And I'm a bad person. I'm not worthy to have you in my life. Anybody know what I'm talking about? How many times do people have the same reaction when they experience Jesus in a powerful way? There's no way I should feel this good. There's no way that He could love me this much. He is too good and well, I'm not. I've failed my family. I've failed myself. And I'm sure I've failed God in far too many ways for Him to ever want to spend time with me. Why would He bless me? Why would He allow me to be in His presence? I'm sure I will let Him down. I let everybody down. That's what Peter was saying. I'll come back to this, but, but for now, let's, let's go on to verses 10 and 11. Jesus tells Simon Peter not to fear. Not to fear. Fear not. Man, there's so many times when Jesus says fear not. And if you just did a personal study of all the times Jesus told people not to be afraid and why he told them not to be afraid, it would change your life. Just, just the words of Jesus. Just fear not in, in what the situation was. That's your homework for the year. Okay. But in verse 10, obviously Peter is afraid of messing up in the presence of someone so incredibly wonderful. I mean, you and I, we can relate. You know, Jesus continues that they would do something. He said, from this point forward, henceforth, you're going to catch Ben. That's weird. We couldn't even catch fish till you came around. And now you're saying, we're going to catch men? You got a lot of bodies under the, <laughs> the surface that we don't know about Jesus? It's kind of a weird thing for him to say, but... Basically, Jesus was saying, no matter what you have done up until now, no matter how successful or unsuccessful you have been, no matter how undeserving you might feel right now, Peter, if you'll follow me from this point on, you're going to catch and disciple people. That's what he was saying past few weeks we've been talking about how the best is yet to come and I know I've had some people say you know that it's been powerful for them that it's it's helped them to see some things I've had other people not say anything at all so if you missed it this is what we talked about in the first week we talked about how God wants to take our ordinary like he did at the the wedding of Canaan Galilee took the water pots and and they were filled with water he turned them into wine he wants to take our ordinary and make it extraordinary Because we surrender and we are obedient to Him. The second week we discussed how even though we might seem like an unlikely fit, like Ruth was an unlikely fit to be in the lineage of Jesus because she was an outsider, an alien, and and because she was uh, willing to hear clearly and follow completely, she was able to be put into that special lineage. And so it's the unlikely become highly likely whenever we hear Jesus clearly and follow Him completely. And then, and that, that means when we do, the best is yet to come. And then last week, we talked about how there's a lot of things that are unfinished. 
And we realize that with Jesus, the best is yet to come. So we've got to let him finish what he started. We'll, if we'll just allow him, if we'll just partner with him and work with him and let him begin to work in us. But this week, the message is, I think, even more important than the first three weeks. It's maybe not as fancy. Uh, it, it may not be so awe-inspiring. It, it's probably a little, I don't know, harder to hear. But this is what we've got to get. Jesus comes into a business venture that is not successful. He shows the business partners He is Lord. He knows what they need and where it's at. And, and so with Him in the boat, I'm going to let that sink in. With Him in the boat, they can be more successful than they have ever been. I could stop right there. We could, we could preach a whole other message on even if you're not going to follow Jesus, you better get him in the boat. But, but that's another message for another day. Uh, hopefully, if he's in the boat, you'll want to follow him because he's just amazing. But then Jesus calls them to something greater than their business ventures in the natural world. And this is what really this whole week hinges upon because he says, from this point on, you will catch men. Now, when I first read through this and I thought, oh, that's, that's just awesome. Uh, you know, they're going to fish for men. And then as I was reading it again, it dawned on me, he didn't say you will fish for men. They knew what it was like to fish for fish and not catch fish. And he said, do you see how many fish you were able to catch with me? And he says, from now on, you're going to catch men. Not you're going to fish for men. Some of us feel like that's all we're doing. I'm just fishing. I'm trying to fish. I'm just trying to, you know, I want to reel in the people that God wants me to reel. No, no, no. you got to understand. He said, you're going to catch men. And so, uh, a lot of times we want to know, how could we be successful in working for Jesus? Well, the, the first key is you've got to follow Him. You know, if you don't have Him in the boat, uh, that's, that's where you start. You get Him in the boat. Amen? We know what, what Jesus means because we see how He then proceeds over the next few years to teach them and, and, and how to reach for and teach and disciple people from every walk of life and every social status. And, and He even reaches for the people who are in most cases unlovable and unworthy and, and shows extra care for the people who society has cast out. And, and the main point of this message that you've got to understand is that no matter what you feel called to in the natural, whatever you're good at, whatever you're gifted in, that's not the highest purpose for your life. The highest purpose for your life, the, the point that your life meets Jesus, everything changes. This is, and this is where uh, uh, this is where it gets a little uncomfortable, okay? Because this is where some people decide they don't, they don't want church anymore. I, I, you know, you're going to try to force me into something that I don't want to do. I, I don't want to try to force anybody. I'm not trying to twist your arm. I'm telling you that, that his burden is light. His yoke is easy. He is miraculous. He is amazing. He can do incredible things if you'll just follow him. But I, I must say it again, his plan and his purpose for you is to make you successful 
not just at whatever you're good at, but to make you successful at reaching and teaching and discipling people. But I just don't see myself in that way. Neither did Peter. Peter's just a, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure Peter had some things on his mind. And when Jesus comes and sits in his boat, he's probably thinking, really, dude, I'm ready to go to bed. I, we haven't caught anything. I mean, can't you find another boat to go sit in to teach these people? It was inconvenient. They were done for the day. He was ready to go. And Jesus came and sat down and, and, and then Peter was like, look, uh, we fished all night and we haven't caught anything. And, and I know there are some times where God will allow you to get to the most unsuccessful point in your life. Where you feel like, oh, I don't know if I can go any further. I don't know, this is, this is just as bad as it's ever been. And, and, and I think that's the place where God will allow us to get to because he, he has a purpose and a plan for you that's higher than that. And so what happens is in return, you find that purpose. Reaching, teaching, and discipling people. You will find that purpose to be more rewarding than anything else that you could ever do in life. Some of you are like, eh, I don't know, that sounds like a party line for the church. No, nah, it's just Jesus' way. Jesus said, I'm going to establish my kingdom here on this earth. And the Jews got all frustrated because they thought he was going to come in by force and have armies and knock the Romans down and he was just going to set up this big kingdom. And that's not how Jesus did it. He took these 12 really unlikely people. What a motley crew of disciples he, he chose. I mean, you just look at them. Some of those guys, wow, it's just amazing, you know. And he chooses them and he teaches them and they become his disciples and he teaches them how to make disciples. And that's how his kingdom was established on this earth. Now, are you with me? Now, we, we want to be part of kingdom business. We want to further His kingdom on the earth. Do you know how we do that? We do that by teaching and discipling. Amen. We, we have this from the Great Commission. Jesus said that we should go and teach and baptize and make disciples. That's what we're supposed to be doing. That's what the church is here for. He didn't save us so that we could just miss hell. He saved us so that we could establish His kingdom. Many people that I know are chasing love, they're chasing happiness, they're chasing satisfaction. And when I say the best is yet to come, you want to think about it in a selfish way of how it, it's going to be better for you and you're going to have more money, you're going to have a better job, you're going to have a bigger house, a nicer car, more fabulous friends, and on and on and on. But today... I want you to know, and I want you to hear me clearly if you don't hear anything else. I want you to know that what you are looking for, it will not be found in any of those things I just mentioned. Every one of them will disappoint you. Every one of them will let you down. None of those things will satisfy. None of them. It's like, you know, the thing that we have to understand is those things are, are, are not set up to satisfy. But Jesus told the woman at the well, he said, but if you will drink from the water that I will give, you will never thirst again. You, you'll have, out of your belly will flow 
rivers of living water. And do you know why they flow out from us? For others. And if they're not flowing, then they're stopped up. Ew. <laughs> That's gross. I don't want anything stopped up in me. Excuse me, I'm not trying to be gross. Sorry, honey. Probably get in trouble for that one. But uh, out, of, out of us is supposed to flow to other people. The living water is not supposed to stay in. It's supposed to flow. Amen. He's not just filling us so that we can be full. He fills us to overflow. Well, <laughs> so what do we do? How, how, how are we going to be satisfied when we follow Jesus and we focus on his kingdom and his purpose for our life? The next question that you might have or statement that you might make is, well, what is, okay, what is God's exact purpose for my life? What, what does he want out of my life? And, and I've got the most simple answer. Uh, I can back this up with a lot of scriptures, but I'm not going to try to do a Bible study with you today. This is what he says. His glory. That's what, his, that's what your purpose, the purpose God has for your life, that's what it is. His glory. Notice all the times when, when, when God couldn't be moved by pity. You know, he wasn't moved by pity. These people are suffering. These people, blah, 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 blah. You know what Moses does? And you know what uh, some of these other, you know, leaders do? They say, the, the kings of Israel, they say, God, for your glory, for your name's sake. <laughs> God, you know, somebody, oh, well, God loves me. He cares about me. Yes, he does. But you know what he cares more about? Getting glory from your life. He wants your life to bring him glory. Amen. So, who gets the glory when you're able to catch fish all on your own? You do. And people tell a lot of fish stories. Man, the fish I caught was... It's big. Why? Look at me. I'm a good fisherman. I catch big fish. I catch fish so big, I get them mounted on my wall. And then they sing, don't worry, be happy to me. No, I'm just kidding. I, I, I think the point is when, when we do something, when we're able to do it, we get the glory. And we forget that everything, every ability, every talent, everything we have, it all comes from Him anyways. But what happens when you can't do it on your own? What happens when you come to the end of your own and you say, I don't know where else to go from here. I don't know what we're going to do. And then God makes it possible. He gets the glory. He gets the glory. God's not interested in making you successful in this life for you to get the glory. Your life is intended to bring Him glory. Amen. It is intended to give Him honor. So how does catching people bring Him glory? How does catching men, like He tells Peter, how does that bring God glory? Let me just say this. Catching people goes beyond just salvation. A lot of people in my generation, when we grew up, it was like, we just got to get them saved, you know, so we were dunking them in the water in Jesus' name and, you know, speaking tongues and you're good to go. And, you know, that's, it's more than just salvation. It means discipling them and teaching them and, and, and teaching them to disciple others. This is backed up by Jesus and the Great Commission and, and the instructions that he gives before his ascension. And when we focus our efforts on catching people. And seeing them become everything God has intended them to be. Then God gets the glory. Why? Because God doesn't want anyone to perish. 
And only Jesus can change lives and mend hearts and give people true purpose in life. We can't do that. He can. Amen? There's people in your life right now that frustrate you and you'd like to choke them every once in a while. You, you just, you know, you almost want to slap them every once in a while and say, what is wrong with you? Can't you get a clue? Right? You just get so frustrated. Can I tell you that you will never change them, but Jesus can? You will never fix them, but Jesus can? Amen. So you need to quit trying to fix them and try to catch them. I know. I, I didn't think that was going to go over very well because some of you are like, nah, it's good. I don't want them in my boat. But Jesus tells Peter, henceforth, from here on out, from this point on, because Jesus is in my life, I'm going to fulfill God's purpose for my life. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Why is the best yet to come when Jesus says henceforth? Because we haven't even started living until we've started discipling. We have come on somebody. We haven't started living until we've taught a Bible study. And, and we've seen that Bible study, amen, come to Jesus. And we've seen them start walking with Jesus. And we've seen them start teaching somebody else a Bible study. And then we see their Bible study come. Come on, somebody. you got to understand, this is the way of the kingdom. And Jesus said, from henceforth, you are going to see the best is yet to come. You thought catching all these fish was awesome. You wait until you start catching men. I'm almost done. I'm, I'm about to wrap up. And you might be thinking right now, Ooh, I don't know. I really want to fulfill God's purpose for my life, but what happens if I blow it? You know? I always end up letting people down, Pastor. You, you don't know my life. You don't know me. When Jesus called Simon Peter, Peter was already telling him, distance yourself from me. I'm, I'm prone to failure. I'm the kind of guy who messes things up. Don't waste your time on somebody like me. You will regret this, Jesus. But Jesus tells him, fear not. I think Jesus told Peter not to fear, not because Peter was going to do everything right. I wish that was the case. I wish Jesus could just, you know, wave his, his hand and poof, we're just perfect. But that's not how it happens. I'm not, I've not been perfect since I, I was filled with his spirit. I, I've not been perfect since I was baptized in Jesus' name. I, I, we're not going to do everything right. Jesus didn't uh, tell Peter not to fear because he thought, well, you're going to just do everything right. But because even though he knew Peter would fail Jesus miserably. At the very point when Jesus needed him the most, and he would make several missteps along the way, Jesus was not phased by Peter's shortcomings. He was not phased by Peter's failures or his insecurities. Jesus was convinced of Peter's potential. And that's what I'm trying to tell some of you. Jesus is not phased by your faults. He is not upset because you've made some mistakes and you've let him down. And you probably will let him down in the future. He is looking at your potential. He is looking at what you could become and the people that you could reach. It was this same Simon Peter that after his great failure, and the scripture says he even realizes it, goes out and weeps bitterly. He ends up 
not too long after, preaching an incredibly effective message, one of the most powerful messages that was ever preached to the crowds on the day of Pentecost that resulted in thousands being baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. Simon, you're going to catch men. I know you think this is something big. Don't be afraid. Don't fear. When you fail, I'm still good enough to get you to the day of Pentecost. When you mess up and everything, henceforth, from here on, I know it's going to be a rough road at some point, but I can take you there. And when you get there, you're going to catch men. I want somebody to hear me today. God's looking for some people that are willing to follow. And they say, I want to do what God wants me to do. I want His purpose to be fulfilled in my life. Would you stand with me? Peter was afraid of blowing it. He knew that he could not be the person that Jesus thought he was going to be. And Jesus told him, fear not, Peter. The best is yet to come. You're not going to be perfect and never make mistakes. I've had people tell me, I'm not ready to get baptized yet because I might still sin. Welcome to the club. I don't know anybody that was perfect after they got baptized. Jesus was the only one, and he was perfect before he got baptized. But I'm not a Jesus standard yet. And so we've got to understand if we are going to truly follow Jesus, you will, you will catch and disciple people and bring God glory. And if you settle for anything less, you're settling for less than the best. I want to close with this, I want to focus the end of this message on what happened in verse 11. The scripture says that when they all got back to the land, they forsook all and followed Jesus. Wow, what a statement, right? They didn't look for a way to make money off of the great catch of fish that filled up two boats. They didn't fold up the nets and try to bring the nets with them. They didn't even put a for sale sign on the boats. The scripture just says they forsook all. And followed Jesus. Now, some of you, don't be nervous. Before every one of you calls your boss and tells him, I'm quitting my job to follow Jesus, hear me out, hear me out. God is not calling you to quit your job. I, I, don't, I don't see where he ever said, hey guys, just leave all this stuff. You got to quit being a fisherman. You just just don't do it. No, the Bible says that they just willingly forsook all and followed Jesus. God is not calling you to quit your job. He's calling you to follow him. He's showing you that your way can only get you so far. And he wants you to go his way and follow him. And when you do, you'll find that the best is truly still ahead of you. Stop focusing on your failure. You will make a difference in this world. Amen. Quit, quit being upset with the things from the past and how things didn't work out. You will make a difference in your world. Stop being influenced by your insecurities. You will influence the lives of those around you. Amen. Stop uh, worrying so much about everything that's in the past. Walk away from doing things your way. That's what they did. They had done it their way and they decided we're going to do it His way. Follow Jesus and you will disciple men and women to Jesus. Because 
with Jesus, even though you're not perfect and you got all kinds of mess in your life and chaos and I wish I was better and don't you know I'm prone to let everybody down, Jesus says, fear not. It's okay. You don't have to be perfect to, to bring people to Jesus. Some of the, the, the heroes in my mind, and I, I've, got, I've had several good pastors, I've, I've known several great preachers, but some of the, the most influential people in my life were people that knew how to reach people. People that, they, they made it a habit. There were some people that they struck out with. There were some people that they, they would teach them a Bible said they'd never come back to church. There's some people that they would reach out to and they'd love on them and they just, they disappear. We never hear from them again. But man, there are so many people that are hungry. There's so many people that are, are wanting the Word of God. They're wanting a better life than they have right now. And you and I have that. And our highest calling is not to be a, a, a construction worker or a hairdresser or a, a, a radio DJ or, or a businessman or a businesswoman. Our highest calling is to be a disciple making disciples. That's what Jesus said, you're going to catch them. If he just said, you're going to catch them, you know, some of you are like, yes, I want to do catch and release with most of the ones that No, you got to catch them. You got to bring them in the boat and he will help you. He will lead you. He is the greatest. You know what? Somebody was talking the other day about their fish finder, right? They had a fish finder and they're like, and somebody's like, oh, you shouldn't use a fish finder. It's not fair. Whatever. Jesus said, I'm the ultimate fish finder. I know where the fish are. You know what? If you'll just spend time with me in prayer, you know what? Things will pop up on your screen. You'll know right where to go. You'll know right what to say. You, you won't even have to worry about it. I'll tell you the depth that you need. Come on, somebody. I could preach a whole nother message. Some of you are like, please don't clap or amen because he might really do it. The devil is a liar. Amen. But God's calling some of you today. Some of you, like I told you in the very beginning, some of you, you're, just, you're not going to think it applies to you. You're just going to let it stay out there in the atmosphere. Others of you today, you're going to say, henceforth, from this point on, Jesus told Peter, and from this point on, my life is, I'm going to have a different outlook on my life. I'm going to realize my purpose that Jesus has for me. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Jesus there are people in this place that they need to forsake some things to follow you. They need to forsake their way of thinking and their way of doing things and the way that they've always kind of put you on the back burner and just lived a convenient Jesus life. I pray, God, that there would be some people today that would, they would surrender all to you and they would forsake everything and say, Jesus, I want to catch the people you want me to catch. I want to be in tune with you and I want to do what your purpose is for my life. And God, I want to bring you glory. In Jesus' name. This altar's open. I want you to step out of your seat. I want you to find a place. Amen. Talk to God today. Wherever you are, whatever's going on in your life, whatever has happened to this point, from henceforth, from this point on, it's going to be different.